Welcome to The Core Podcast. This is a pretty good one and pretty special because it's with our co-founder and CEO, James. Not many people get to see James as we get to see James as a friend, um, as a father, um, and as a business owner. And I actually even learned a lot in this episode and didn't realize we both had a similar career path of selling fish. His at Sainsbury's and mine at Waitrose. But you'll get to learn a little bit more about this. Uh, I think this is a really good start of potentially our own little version of a diary of a CEO. But for you to enjoy, here is James Cunningham. James, welcome to the podcast. If anyone doesn't know who you are, could you introduce yourself? I'm James Cunningham, co-founder and CEO of Court Cloud. I think it's fair to say because I've worked with you a long time. You're quite a young CEO, fairly young. You started the business quite early on. I think you were 28 when I met you. 27. Uh, 25, actually. 25. Wow. Oh no, you met me 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so 25 when you started that. Most people are just getting out of university, probably still living with their parents. What could you tell us a little bit about you and why at 25 you were inspired to set up your own business? Um, okay, <laughs> <laughs> with early career, like that's quite ambitious, that's quite a big thing to do. Like, not many 20, most 25 year olds are quite comfortable in like their first job. Yeah, I, I think, um, uh, when I was younger, um, you know, it's quite quite a challenging time actually when I was quite young, and um, I had to grow up quite quickly. So, probably at the age of twelve, I got my first job, and it was as a paper round. And uh, I used to live in a very small Oxfordshire village, um, and at that time, I <clears throat> pretty much any money if I wanted money when I was going to thirteen, I had to get it myself really, and I think that taught me quite a lot. Um, I think, you know, I was working pretty much every day as soon as I could get a job after that, that was in Sainsbury's. I don't think I've ever not had a, a job really. And I think, you know, I think quite a lot of, quite a lot of it comes down to to work ethic. And I think, you know, even as a, as a child, I used to kind of walk with a paper around and freezing cold at like six o'clock in the morning and you'd see some some uh really uh some posh toff guy or something that at the top of the road um dry revving up his maserati at that time and i think i used to always say to myself i used to always see this car and i used to always say to myself i want one of them or or uh or something similar um and then yeah like the sainsbury's thing i think everyone's kind of had that job or you know where they've where they've been at mcdonald's or you know i'm not saying that they're you know at the end of the day it's it's not a bad job it it taught me a lot um i learned a lot um at sainsbury's but i i think at that time it was actually uh quite embarrassing because i started off with stacking shelves and then after that it was um on a fish counter and that was the i got offered a job at waitrose here at the fish counter I didn't take it because I didn't want to smell. <laughs> Did you smell? Well, uh, I absolutely stank. <laughs> uh, I cannot imagine what a fish counter. Yeah. 
don't yeah. think anyone has to do that as some social content. Yeah. You know, those fish, do they can throw the fish really fast to each other. Let's see if you can still do it. Well, I started off <laughs> with stacking shelves and then there was this job and it was getting paid more um, and <laughs> to, to go on a fish counter. But that was the early days of then camera phones coming out. So okay. where I used to go to school and where I, near where I used to go to live, that was, you know, I think my mates used to literally come to Sainsbury's at the weekend just to take the mick <laughs> out of me. But every Saturday, you know, Sunday, any opportunity, any shift I could get, I was working, um, you know, whilst also trying to get an education, which... Um, to be honest with you, I started to realise that um, it, that really wasn't for me. Mm. Uh, working and I suppose understanding the flow of um, how how business is done. Really, you know, things cost and so on. And yeah. um, I just wish I was taught profit and loss in maths. I probably <laughs> would get, have got an A star. You um, don't get taught that, do you? No, unfortunately not. But. No. But no, I think, you know, I, I, a lot of hard work back back then. Um, and then, you know, as, I, as I've developed um, over the years, you know, I think after then I was, I, I kind of left school quite, quite early on, put a suit on, walked around every single recruitment agency I could find. Did you know what you wanted to do then? No, not at all. But actually well no what happened was when i was at the, on on a fish counter um there used to always be these reduced you know the reduced aisle yeah uh, like of, the yellow stickers yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so it a actu- whoopsie in asda that's what they're called <laughs> well the, the the manager at the time basically said to me look if you can shift as much as you can it actually helps us as a as a as an organization okay. so basically can you try and sell some of these Quickly. and then i was literally doing these stickers and then i basically you know try and say try and uh, try and really sell fish <laughs> and uh, and i and i get rid of them uh, i would get rid of all this rotten what was your tap- going <laughs> what was fish. your what was your what was your hit um <laughs> you look like you could do with some fish tonight <laughs> <laughs> or something similar you know it was it was it was instead of chicken tonight you need uh, fish tonight. it was it, there was all sorts of stuff coming out of <laughs> my mouth at that time anything to get the deal done um but yeah that was that that was when someone once said to me um you'd be good in in sales you're good with people and then my family uh, i think i went to a party like a dinner party well i know it was like a it was like my cousin's party or something along the lines and and, and my uncle and and an auntie said at the time like you've literally circulated the whole area you've kind of got to know everyone you're really good with people and i think you know it started to i started to realize at that point you know maybe if i try and use that in terms of a career then you know and i think that that was that was it just treating people how i would like to be treated yeah. um and, and then really trying to trying to deliver something that maybe someone doesn't have um or, or you know obviously it is sales but i think that everyone sells in some sort of way no, no matter what you do um you know whether you work in an or you know a, a nine to five you're trying to get a better career path or you're trying to improve what you're doing in some way shape or form you're selling yourself or selling something so yeah and i don't think it's you should be ashamed of, of saying that you're, you're good at, at sales because i think it's a fine art as well yeah Definitely, is. situations you've been in that I've seen that I'm thinking I couldn't do that or I couldn't have said that or I couldn't have had the confidence to have. And you're good at reading people, mm-hmm. like you're good at like when I'd be like, oh, they've said no, and you're like, oh, they haven't really said no, Kelly. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, they just said no, and you're like, no, they're telling me that I want a different <laughs> way of that put in front of me, where like 
everyone reads things differently. You're very, I think you're very good at a no and then realizing that that's not a no. They're just asking me to position it differently mm. or at a different time or. Yeah. You, don't, know, you yeah. don't hear no as no. And I'm, that's not, a, that's not a negative thing. You see no. it as a more of like a stepping stone or the next challenge or a hurdle, I guess. Yeah. And I, uh, well, I don't know. I think probably the biggest, uh, well, the hardest job I ever had was when I got my first job and it was actually in a call center for American Express. I had this dialer on my head and it was, uh, and my work, my working hours was 11 in the morning till eight at night. And I had half an hour lunch and mm. it was basically this this script that you had to read off. And you had this these people come through on the phone and it was just I, I can't I cannot explain to you how horrible it was. And it was like you, you literally have to read off this script um, to people. And I I think my my pitch at that point was you've got li- you've got 30 seconds to listen to what I've got to try and sell to you or just put the phone down because I actually can't it was on this dialer system yeah. um and I actually was the best performing performer there and I think that was at the age of 17 18 um I only did it for 6 months how did you have such a thick skin at that age though um for someone like, cuz I guess there was probably not some nice people on the phone but some weren't so warmly receptive of your call like how did you not and I, I would have taken every call personally. So how did you not take it? How did how were you able to? I don't know. I think I think I think you shouldn't really take. Uh, you know, if someone doesn't want something, if you're trying to provide someone with something, if and it doesn't fit what they want or yeah. their requirements, and they say no, mm. what? Why should you take that personally? True. You know, do you do do you go uh, do you go into DFS in the first sofa that someone shows you? Is the you know do you say uh, you know you're not going to no. are you? You want no. to make your own decisions, um, and, and I think that that you have to assess the situation that you're in or the product or the service, or whatever you are potentially um, uh, looking to, you know looking to buy. I'm, I'm talking from a consumer perspective, but if you're looking to get something, do you really want someone to force that decision for you? No. Um, maybe help in terms of making you understand what you're getting in, getting yourself into. What are you buying? What are the benefits? And what is it going to deliver for me? And then, yeah, hundred percent. I think that that's re- that's where uh, someone in sales plays plays a part. But yeah, I, I did that, and then I worked in a company called ITGS, um, which uh, essentially was uh, generating meetings for um, for enterprise salespeople in the technology sector. So, so that was yeah. that was your first step into tech. Yeah. Um, I, I basically again I just put a suit on went around every recruiting consultant in the centre of Oxford got a load of interviews I was very close to going into like a gym sales role because uh, oh. I was so sporty yeah um, but I so why didn't there. you uh, because I looked at um, the markets at that time and how old were you at this point I was 18. And you looked at the markets. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's what 18 year olds do. Yeah. So you looked at the, you went for the market rather than love. So that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think the top kind of, um, well, the growth area was pharmaceutical. Um, and then secondly was cybersecurity. Um, and ph- pharmaceutical for me is, um, I, I didn't really particularly want to sell drugs for a living. Um, uh, so, you know, cyber i started to read up on it i started to understand you know started to try and try and figure out you know a little bit more around it because i understood what it was uh, i liked technology at the time but um 
yeah, I mean, these are the days where, um, you know, it was WebSense, Surf Control, you know, really quite legacy platforms, which you don't really see a lot of today, mm. or they've been swallowed up and changed names and so on. Um, but that's what I had to do. But my boss at the time, she was she was really go- good, good. She coached me, she supported me, and she educated me on, on the technology um, because she knew that I could... Um, I suppose do the business and the sales element um and my job was to generate meetings and uh, I was quite successful at that um and then I was uh and then I then moved into a more reseller role Mm. um which was great fun really had a good time um at that business um you know learned a lot um worked with uh, the likes of Sophos and uh, and other technologies, okay. um, and and yeah, I think you know I've I've learned a lot over the years, whether that be selling fish, uh, selling identity fraud for American Express, uh, generating meetings, or or, or, or reselling uh, solutions, um, and then you know I suppose this the, this idea of this place. I always dreamt of having my own business. Uh, I, I always thought that I could probably do a bit more if I put put my mind to it. And I think there was a certain time in my life where it was right, yeah, now or never. Mm. Um, and I just went for it, really. And that went for it was with Mark in Ibiza? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the starting of the conversation was as that. Uh, yeah. And you convinced him to be your business partner. Uh-huh. Then what? Uh, well, I did, I mean, it like... took a lot to convince him. <laughs> he went out there, uh, me introducing him to everyone who's my business partner. <laughs> so, and he would be like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And then he came back saying, all right, okay, yeah, I will be. So. And then you, so you're 25 at this point. 24. 24. What did you do? You just were like, I'm going to, I'm going to open it. How did that start? Like, I know it started uh, in his living room, but where did you even begin picking up the pieces? Uh, just, 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 uh, I mean, I, I would, he would sit on, uh, I remember the sofa clear to this day, uh, in the corner of a sofa, but pretty much what doing what, what Sophie does on a day to day with me now <laughs> with a laptop and, uh, typing away whilst I'm pacing up and down. Uh-huh. Um, I, can, I can envision it. Just yeah. Blurting ideas. Um, were you cooking a football at the same time? Uh, I wasn't kicking the football at the same time. His <laughs> living room wasn't big enough at the time. Um, <laughs> or, else I, or else I would have. Um, but yeah, no, that was, that was, that was, yeah, that was it. That was the start. And 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 then, I mean, it was terribly, terribly hard at that point, you know. Um, every single day, even now to this day, you learn something new every single day. And I think that anyone that walks through business and uh, and that thinks that they are uh, anything different to anyone else in this industry or any industry from a business or a business leadership perspective are, are quite wrong because um you know for me even now recruiting people like yourself and others i learn um completely different views and opinions or landscape of 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 anything you know we recruit people that are better than us not 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 worse Uh, and you want to encourage that and develop them and uh and be a part of a a journey together and i think that's kind of really where we're at now right now but yeah to say it's a journey to say it was a journey is an understatement i mean those first two years were oh hell i think i've eaten more um 
baked beans on toast and eggs on toast and yeah literally whatever I could afford I even had to go on housing benefit because yeah. I couldn't afford really anything um and the got support was a bit moldy, uh, well. oh well I was I went from a lovely flat to <laughs> renting a room um which was quite uh, a change uh yeah. with like four other blokes and to be honest I'm actually going on a stag do with one of the guys that I live with at the time dentist down the palace fan um <laughs> but um but yeah the uh but yeah we we um that was that was weird uh it was very very weird and then having a bus pass I used to have to get to Farrandon where our first base was which was like a industrial estate type office and it was no bigger than I mean this is like twice the size of the room that we had at, at first yeah. and to literally sit opposite Mark all day every day was just torture so, <laughs> it's not that bad yeah it's just torture <laughs> but yeah that was that was the start and then you know it was seven days a week around the clock really we know statistically most startups fail. Yeah, it's quite a lot, quite a high number. So what made Quarter Cloud different? What made what and you worked hard, you had the grit, okay, but what would you say was the other magic source that you two had at that time that meant you survived? Um was having each other helpful? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think, you know, in any partnership, the number one uh, any partnership in business or in anything yeah, anything related to business, I think the absolute number one thing is trust. Um, you know, customer, consumer, you know, vendor relationship, partnership, you know, supplier, you know, serve whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and that that and most importantly, your business partner, if you do go in into any partnership with with people in business, because you know, you go through battles, you go through challenges, you go through emotional periods, you you, you one day you love one another and the next day, I mean it's like a marriage, and then the next day you literally want to rip the guy's head off. Um <laughs> But but yeah, I think you know, the fact that it's we are such chalk and cheese helped tremendously because mm. um, I would say I'm probably the 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 uh, well I'm the one that will keep you up at night and here the one that will put you to sleep. I always called you mum and dad. So if I wanted, if I really wanted something shiny or to go fast or quickly, I'd come to you. And if yeah. I needed something a bit more level-headed, reassuring, or bit safer i'd go to mark that's kind of to mark yeah just the, you're kind of so like the boring one no you're just very yin and yang <laughs> calm like yeah i think you had different i don't know you had different qualities and different things about you yeah 100 percent. still do you, to this yeah day. like you you're going 100 miles per hour and yeah mark is a little bit behind it but that's mm. kind of good because if you were both going there no one would be yeah behind I, I mean also you know one thing i can say i'll probably say you know hats off to mark is that some of the crazy ideas over the years that I've had you know that some have failed um Mm. quite a lot of failures um but I would never call anything a failure it's what you've learned from that and then when you push on and and you think right okay well next time I do something like that I'm going to think of x y and z I think that that you know what Mark has always done is supported that that vision and and those risks that you take and and and, and support me in yeah. it you know and believe in me I think that that's really important and I, and just as much as I believe in him you know uh, quite recently opening up a Sweden office I think when I turned around to him after and said he said he's like what are you doing we've just signed up to this massive monstrosity of a building. Why do you want to open an office in Sweden? I well, <laughs> I uh, well, there are multiple reasons, um, but um, 
Yeah, just a lover for IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> love of Ikea and Ken. Yeah, and Ken's a good Ken, man. Ken. Although we did an interesting interview with him today on the podcast and I didn't realise the reason that he got into cybersecurity was the hospital was hacked when his child was really sick. And that's ah. what started it all. Oh, so uh, yeah, right. I didn't know about did it. Know yeah. Yeah, I well, didn't. No, not, not about the hack, but no, okay. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that was a, a, a reason that he'd got into it. Okay, so Mark was a big thing. Grit, hard work, seven days, all that sort of thing. Yeah. What did you see in cybersecurity, or was there a particular trend? Like, I'm, I know there's probably some failures or some products or some solutions that didn't quite land, but what were things do you think you did get right that made us kind of go quite quick? Yeah, I mean, probably one of the, one of the big ones. Um, what I thought of was probably we were on the very early stages of GDPR. Now, at that point, I looked into digital forensics. Mm. Tools, I remember this. Um, which um, which I you know I was looking at, and I thought you know in terms of GDPR, the main thing that people are going to need to know is where their data is, who has access to it, where's it sit, you know, you know what is it, um, and then if someone asks for it back and asks you know what are you doing with it, that they have the ability to you know get that information and respond quite quickly. Um, work quite a bit in the financial sector. Um, work with quite some large organizations one of the largest recruitment companies um globally um but then i realized quite soon after that it is very very difficult to manage and to to to, to use in in an organization uh, uh in terms of digital forensics it's not it's not a simple task indexing a load of data using an e-discovery tool you know then you know trying to pull off the information in terms of an individual and then redacting and then all this kind of crazy stuff. Um, and I call it crazy stuff because when you talk to people right now, you certainly talk to a lot of cybersecurity professionals, it's 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 a great thing to do, but it's mm. not an easy task. And, no. and I think that that's when I started to realise probably, well, GPR was a huge marketing push, I think, actually. Um, you know, it, I think everyone had the fear of life that every organisation would be hammered by every individual uh, uh, leading up to it. But but actually, you know, not a lot changed. No. Um, I think that, that, you know, it put some emphasis on kind of your... Uh, your processes and and tools that you use uh, and how you handle data but did it really make any exponential change uh, i i personally don't think it did um i mean people may have um different opinions but but that was that was the, actually the appetite thing. didn't change did it so that no. so you couldn't yeah you couldn't force people to buy something if the pain wasn't there uh, yeah I, th- I think it wasn't so much forcing someone to buy something i think it was more about um is it the right is it the right um sort of platform for an organization to be using and i think that that soon started i very quickly started to realize following that kind of venture really Mm. and i would call it a venture because i was up and down the country meeting with lots of new customers um around this um you know that lots of people wanted to do it but it was it was a great tool that we were suggesting at the time but but really, you know, did you have the resources to, to be able to manage it? And I think the more and more I started talking to people around that, the more mm. and more I started to realise what is it that, that is the biggest challenge within organisations. And I think 
you know from a cyber perspective you know we always talk about resources and so on but it, it but i think it is i think it's you know it's the 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 amount of people to be able that are skilled enough to be able to react and respond um to uh, threats uh, you know threat actors and um i think it, that was when i started to to think about how can we find technology to mm. enhance uh, an organization how can we find something that'll support um a, a, you know a, a, a stretch team um yeah. that that isn't really growing anytime soon but data information people devices the it environment cloud was, was growing yeah so as as that grows you need to grow from a cyber perspective, you know, massive shift at the moment. I've seen a huge, huge one recently around, and that's where that the kind of caught the four key pillars kind of come from. And yeah. it was down to a journey that, that I'd gone on with, um, with customers, um, with very close customers of ours. Um, and it was all, it was all very, very, it was, the same problem or so I shouldn't say problem same challenge for the customers that we were talking to is have you got a have you got a challenge at the moment around visibility yeah I'm looking at you know a seam or or, or something like that right how many people do you have in you to, to manage to manage um that uh two and how many devices how many people Ten thousand devices fifteen thousand users like it's you know it's not a lot I'm like right okay so you know and that's in a healthcare environment and then you then work with a you know a, a very large bank mm. that's very well known in, in in the country and globally and they've got 200 SOC analysts rich in terms of um you know resource to be able to manage it but then they've got so many different devices so many different platforms so they so then you look at it and it's actually the same problem but it's just flipped yeah so it's like too much. it's like you've you've got a really under-resourced team here that 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 need to understand if something comes in, how do they deal with it? And then you've got a highly resourced team that cannot deal with the sheer amount of alerts and, and, and challenges across all the platforms and all the technologies that they have in place. So that was the start in terms of, I would say, the journey in terms of visibility. Uh, and that's, you know, part of our, all your marketing. <laughs> the four pillars would be visibility, validation, governance control and automated response. Okay, what are you most proud of today and what do you hope is the future of Quarter Cloud? I think there's always a bit of a milestone that you hit in business. I think probably it was after a five-year period, um, you know, hitting a specific revenue number, which I, I didn't, in my wildest dreams, think at first would be possible. I think the problem is for me is that I don't particularly reflect back on anything that i've achieved in any way shape or form it's it's what's next what's next and i think probably i would say opening up two new offices you know this place i would say actually i was i was practically in tears um at the opening of this place Mm -hmm. however silly that may sound um seeing the logo on the back and you watching the ribbon i think most of us are pretty welled up yeah and uh yeah, that was that was an amazing feeling, um, and I think um, the Sweden office when I was out in Sweden and, and then you know agreed to 
getting that up off the ground, going and finding an office and, Mm -hmm. you know, spending time with our sales manager out there, Ken. That was, again, you know, um, that was was an emotional moment for me um, because, you know, it's 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 just a whole new challenge it's like you're starting it all over again which is great fun um and also then and then scotland you know um and i think probably i would say probably the proudest moment would be i don't know i think also the the kind of sales kick off and you know the when you've got everyone there and you think right crikey I remember the days when it was only a couple of us, and mm. then there's like I, I don't even know who that person is. So, all <laughs> um, that person, all that person, is quite a good feeling from that perspective. And I, I think that that's probably never going to change because there seems to be new people that come into this place every month now. Okay, so to close, I could probably go on for ages. So I'm going to see. I'm going to look at Sophie and see if we can book another one in. But anyone is a 15 year old version of you currently in a Sainsbury fish store with the same ambitions and same same dreams what would you say to them don't do it <laughs> <laughs> no I'm joking um uh I think in anything whatever situation you're in uh, whatever age you are um if you have any form of ambition if there is something that that you're dreaming of or thinking of don't let time uh, get in the way um you know don't think because you're not in the right position um financially or or ho- however it is because I certainly wasn't I certainly wasn't you know in a in a great position mm. when I started this place um just go for it you know what what can you lose i mean if you've got that ambition at the end of the day you, you know if it doesn't if it doesn't work out if you've had the drive and determination and and I suppose guts really to to give it a go then you know if you can't if you can't achieve it on your own I mean you can try again and try again and and there's there's no failure in that and if you and it, and if that doesn't work out and you've had, an, had enough then I think any any sane employer uh, would, hire would hire you so I can work for Cord Cloud on that note Yes, but I'll beat you at pool. <laughs> yeah, we have got a good... If I'm, or, a, if I'm ever in it. Yeah, <laughs> if you're ever in the country. <laughs> On that note, Sophie is staring at us because you have your next meeting. So thank you, James, and we'll speak to you soon.